Hey, it's Jeff, and I'm happy to announce that Skylar and I will be collaborating on a series of retreats in 2024 at Commune Topanga. The first one is happening April 5th through 7th. Now, these weekends are really designed to foster greater balance in your life. Now, well-being, as I've discovered in all of its expressions, springs forth from balance. We seek to balance our relationships, balance our budgets, and of course, balance our blood sugar levels. So if health emerges from balance, well, illness stems from imbalances, and we see evidence of imbalances all around us, from imbalanced immune systems and hormones to emotional disequilibrium. So if you break down the root cause of virtually all of our modern imbalances, you will find that they come from our convenience culture, sedentary, indoor, temperature-controlled lives filled with a surfeit of shelf-stable refined calories and a dearth of in-real-life connections. Well, these retreats upend convenience culture. They're all about realigning our biology to foster balance, homeostasis. So this will include movement like yoga and hiking sessions, focusing the mind through meditation and breath work, optional ice plunges and saunas, and enjoying delicious farm-sourced meals around big communal tables. I'll also be reading some of my favorite commusings as we snuggle around the fire at night. When's the last time you've been read a story? So I hope you can join us at our Balance Weekend Retreat. The first one is happening April 5th through 7th at Commune Topanga with support from our dear friends at Bevo Barefoot. So just go to onecommune.com retreat for more info. And I'll see you in the Santa Monica Mountains. Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasnow. Today on the show, I welcome Dr. Alejandro Junger. Dr. Junger is a functional medicine doctor and cardiologist who grew up in Uruguay where he graduated from medical school. He completed his postgraduate training in internal medicine at NYU Downtown Hospital and a fellowship in cardiology at Lenox Hill Hospital. He is a three-time New York Times bestselling author and creator of the world's most celebrated detoxification program called CLEAN. In this episode, Dr. Junger shares his story of illness and the perseverance that set him on a journey to find a better solution to his myriad ailments that had landed him on seven drug prescriptions from his doctors in New York. Now, eager to find an answer to his dis-ease, he cast aside the typical boundaries between Eastern and Western medicine, between ancient wisdom and modern science. Now, in our very special conversation, Dr. Younger takes us on this journey of combining functional medicine with Ayurveda to create his detox program. Now listen closely because we're even visited by a lizard during our conversation, which according to Google is a symbol of regeneration and renewal, which is exactly the point of a detox. So Dr. Younger doesn't forget to pay homage to the functional medicine doctors and Eastern healers that came before him and provides solutions for the toxic exposure that has become ubiquitous to modern life. You just can't miss this episode, especially if you're interested in the crossover of Eastern traditional philosophy and medicine 
and modern Western allopathic empiricism. Now, if you're interested in functional and integrative medicine-based programs with teachers like Dr. Mark Hyman and Dr. Roger Schwelt on topics such as gut health, sleep, immunity, hormone balancing, Ayurveda, and nutrition, well, you can sign up for 14 days of free all-access to Commune's entire course library, including more than 100 courses on health, personal growth, and social impact. Just go to onecommune.com slash trial. And please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcatcher. Now, as you will hear, Dr. Younger has a gripping story to tell, and we can count ourselves lucky for the fruits that his curiosity and perseverance have wrought. So without further delay, I present to you, Dr. Alejandro Junger. Okay, Dr. Alejandro Junger, welcome to the Commune Podcast. What a treat to be with you. What a treat to be with you too. So this is a very special interview and episode uh, for me because this podcast uh, explores well-being in the broadest sense of the definition, and I'm likely to have functional medicine doctors like, uh, well, your friend Jeffrey Bland or Mark Hyman on the show, but I'm also likely to have spiritualists like Deepak Chopra or Buddhists like Jack Kornfield or Sharon Salzberg. I've even had some monks. Um, on the show from the Self-Realization Fellowship. Um, but rarely do I have the opportunity to interview someone that actually combines the scientific empiricism, if you will, of the West with the ancient traditions and wisdom uh, of the East in such a tangible way, uh, the, the way that you do it. So I'm, I'm very excited to explore how you merge uh, new and ancient traditions obviously in your in your world famous signature detox program known as the clean program but before we get into the the pillars uh, of that program i would love to scaffold our conversation in some of your personal biography because it's so central to your work um so when you were a young man and you still appear to be very young but you were a, a cardiologist um, in New York City, uh, you know, treating people with cardiometabolic disease and other kinds of chronic illnesses and health issues. But ironically, you found yourself uh, suffering from chronic illness. So I wonder if you could describe this time in your life and how it became kind of an inflection point for, uh, for your work. Well, let's go back a little bit even even before where I was born in Uruguay, in South America, in the yeah. 60s, at a time when there were no supermarkets, everything was simple, the, you know, there were no I irrigation of, of crops with, with any chemicals. Life was very much like, like it was hundreds of years ago. And, and yeah, of course, it was a city and it was kind of modern, but, but but very simple. My dad and I would go to the farmer's market around the corner and my dad knew every one of the farmers and he knew don't buy from this guy because he's, you know, 
he doesn't treat <laughs> his plants very well and then you know and this one treats his animals with love and so we would buy that and then my mom would cook our food from scratch and she would spend you know most of the day in, in the kitchen first preparing breakfast then we finish breakfast you start preparing lunch and we finish lunch you start preparing dinner we ate as a family like 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 you read on the blue zones you know spend time eating in in communion with 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 the community um and that's where i went to medical school now when i graduated medical school i was invited to do an internship residency and then later a fellowship in internal medicine and then cardiovascular disease first at NYU downtown hospital and then at Lenox Hill hospital. And the change in lifestyle was so drastic in terms of, of, of every aspect in terms of, of having to run around like a chicken with no head from, from being on call three days in a row to, you know, to sleeping in the, in the on call rooms and, and after hours eating from vending machines and, during normal hours in the hospital cafeteria because you literally had no time to go and do anything else. When I did have a little time, I used to go to the supermarkets because for me, it was like going to the future. And I would see all these boxes and jars and cans and, 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 and tubes and bags. And, and I would, I would um, buy a box and I put it in a microwave oven. And within three, five minutes, I would get something that kind of looked like what my mother would spend the whole day cooking, you know, it'd mm. smoke and it'd smell great. And, and, uh, you know, and it, and it had little compartments, you know, the protein on one and, and, and the yeah. vegetables and maybe mashed potatoes. And it was like, wow, these people, they really know how to do stuff. And slowly, but surely I started getting sick. I started gaining weight. I started having seasonal allergies that later on turned into an all year round ordeal. I started having difficulty digesting, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, pains, aches, um, to the point that I, at one point I couldn't function anymore. But the most alarming of my symptoms was that I was waking up with a sense of dread. I didn't want to even leave my little room that I was renting across the street from the hospital. And, you know, I was having negative thoughts and I just couldn't understand what was going on. So I took a few days off in which I made appointments with a gastroenterologist to deal with my digestive issues, with an allergist to deal with my allergies, and with a psychiatrist to deal with what he diagnosed as severe depression. Right, and during those two three days that I took off and visited all these people and got colonoscopies and blood tests and X-rays and all kinds of things, um, I ended up with seven prescription medications: hmm. anti-gas, anti-bloating, anti-spasmodic, anti-this, anti-that, um, and and I'm looking at these medications and an antidepressant. And by this time, I'm already a doctor. So I already know that the forcing of this chemistry is not really correcting the root cause of the dysfunction. 
it is barely blocking the pathways that that end up manifesting as symptoms. So if you have pains and, and aches in your belly and you give a chemical that numbs the nervous system, then you may end up without the pain. But the reason why the pain was there is not even addressed by these medications. And I knew this very, very clearly. Uh, there was no kidding me in the sense that, I, that, I'm, that I'm thinking that these pills are going to solve anything but the symptoms. And it just didn't make sense to me. At a, at a very visceral level, my body was telling me, nah, don't do this. Not only that, I started questioning my practice because that's exactly what I was doing for my patients. When you give somebody an antiarrhythmic, when you give some, somebody an anticoagulant, when you give some, somebody an, a, a cholesterol-lowering pill, you are not addressing anything at the root. You're not resolving the problems. You are just masking their cry, you know, their, 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 their communication with you to tell you that something is wrong. So I decided not to take medication. And I, I said, I'm going to find a different way. And I started with my most concerning problem at that time, which was, which was my depression, my mind. My mind was always thinking negatively. 90% of the thoughts were automatic, repetitive, and horrible. So, um, you know, first I, I, I used to go to Barnes and Noble in, in Union Square, which is five stories. And, and in, the last, in the last floor, there was the psychiatric uh, section and the coffee shop. So I was, you know, you, you didn't need to buy anything. You just went, grabbed as many books as you wanted, yeah. took them, bought a coffee, sat down in those little sofas there. And I spent a lot of time. I know that Barnes and Nobles and I know that cafe very well. So yeah. we might've overlapped. <laughs> so, so I was, I was, uh, you know, avidly looking for an explanation to the fact that 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 I wasn't really choosing my thoughts; they were just popping in my head, and and it, it, you know, if I had a choice, I wouldn't be thinking them. So then, who was thinking them? Who was choosing these things to appear in my head, which were so devastating to me? You know, we played with my emotions in such a negative way. So, and and I couldn't find an explanation in the in the DSM um, uh, catalog, you know, of of. Uh, 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 of psychiatric diseases, right? So, but every now and then, I used to find a quote that somehow gave me some hope of of understanding, and I would go and follow the referrals from where that quote quote came from, and slowly, slowly, I started moving, following these these um this these quotes and, and, and where they came from, I started moving from the psychiatric section to the psychology section, then to the self-help section, and then I ended up in the Eastern religions and, and philosophy section, where one day a book fell in my hands, opened up to a section that was uh, titled Meditation. And and when I looked in this particular book, there, the 
the explanation or the definition was the practice by which you are able to calm down the repetitive negative stream of thoughts, repetitive negative and automatic stream of thoughts, and maybe even able to stop it. And that's when I said, oh my God, how come, first of all, this is not a concept in psychiatry. And second, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I want to silence this this broken radio in my head that is driving me. I thought I was going crazy. I thought that I was listening to voices. I didn't know that 99% of the population of the world is having the same experience. Some more negative, some more positive, but even positive continuous thinking is not freedom of thought. It's not presence. It's just a stream of thoughts. The lucky ones or the luckier ones have positive thinking, but that's just the other side of the coin. You know, it's automatic and it's exhausting and it's never stopping and it's, it doesn't let you sleep, whether it's positive or negative. It just happened that mine were really negative. So um, I started looking for a way to learn how to meditate. And eventually I ended up in an ashram upstate New York in the, in the Catskills, where I had an encounter face to face with the guru in, the, in this ashram, Guru Mai. And in this encounter, which now I understand was very special because it was one-on-one, and that doesn't happen too often. She's always followed by hundreds of people. She basically ended up smacking me on my chest and putting me in a state which I understand now as a synopsis or a preview of enlightenment. I was, my body completely dissolved. I was not this. I was everywhere. I was everything. I merged. You know, I I read I, I read about it now, and it's it's what what um, Eastern philosophers and Eastern religion teachers called cosmic consciousness. Well, that when they described that was very similar to the experience that I had when she smacked my chest, and when I came back. Um, I, I understood that that's the possibility that we come to earth with to be in that state continuously. And then, and then there are ways to get there, right? And, and from that day on, my life took a different course. And I stopped wanting to be a famous cardiologist that invented some new cardiac catheterization and balloon technique, which is what I, what I was what had in mind at that time, you know, to invent some new balloon angioplasty technique. And, 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 and I focused on becoming thought free and fully present. So I, I ended up my cardiology fellowship, graduated, took off and went to live in an ashram in India, in her ashram in India where I was given the position of medical director of the clinic there that had different functions. One of them was going around to the poorest neighbors in the pla- neighborhoods in the planet and taking care for free. We used to have a bus turned hospital and, and with all the, you know, antibiotics and whatever, whatever was needed, sutures, you know, to take care of the, uh, of the emergencies or the cases that, that people would wait for four days in long lines, we used to see three, four hundred people a, a, a day, and then the other function was to take care of 
the population in the ashram, which was consisted of a lot of Indian people, but a lot of foreigners that came there to study yoga and meditation and a few monks. And I stayed there for a year and a half. And there I was exposed to Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, chiropractic medicine, meditation, hands-on healing, Reiki, because, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of forward or, or thinking or, or open-minded people coming to this ashram. And a lot of them were professionals and a lot of them were health care professionals of all kinds of schools of medicine and healing. So I was exposed to their way of thinking. And we used to do round tables, right? With the patient present there. And the, and the Ayurvedic doctor would say what he thought and the Chinese medicine doctor would say what she thought. And then sometimes I had to intervene and said, no, this person needs to go to hospital right now because he's probably having unstable angina, right? And, and so we, we would have a discussion and we would make a, we would make a plan. And so, so without even knowing the term, I was directing a multidisciplinary or, or a complementary and alternative medicine clinic, right? And, um, and that's where my mind just was blown wide open. Then I came back to the United States and I went back to the hospital system and I started getting sick again. Every, every advance, every benefit that I had achieved in terms of my personal health in the ashram by eating, you know, vegan food cooked with love and chanting when you cook and, and meditating and doing yoga, and, you know, and, 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 and I hadn't resolved all my problems, but I had gotten significantly better. Everything went out the window when I entered the cutthroat uh, conveyor belt medicine system in the United States where I was hired by a, by a big cardiology practice that only cared to be profitable. And that translated in me seeing a patient every seven minutes. Yeah. And, I, and I started getting sick and I started actually getting sicker than before. And at that time, a friend of mine that I had seen 10 days before stopped by my house. Ten days before, he was he's the usual movie producer from Hollywood, drinking coffee all day long, reddish skin, you know, reddish nose from so much alcohol, stressed out of his mind, grayish eyes, just not looking healthy, bloated. And this time I opened the, the, the door and I just almost fainted from the shock of seeing the transformation on this guy. He had glowing skin, soft, and, and, and the white of his eyes were really white. And he had de-bloated completely to the point that I thought he had plastic surgery. He had lost 10 kilos, which is like 20, 22 pounds, in 10 days. And I said, whoa, what happened to you? And he said, oh, I went to a detox center. I said, I didn't know that you were into drugs. He said, no, 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 not, not that kind of detox. <laughs> uh, I, I said, well, what, what other kind of detox is there? He said, well, you know what? I don't know how to explain. Come, hop in my car. And we went five minutes or seven minutes from where I was living in Palm Springs to a detox center where 
uh, he introduced me to the people there and the owner there who was from Argentina and we hit it off and we spoke the same language. And so I said, well, what's going on here? Because everybody was glowing. The longer they were there, the, 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 the higher the frequency of their glow. So she said, well, you know, this is a detox center. I said, what do you mean detox center? Yeah, we, we give people juices and colonics and, oh my God, what are you talking about, right? And, and he said, listen, just let me, let me show you. Why don't you try the program? You don't even need to stay here. Just come during your lunch hours. I'll give you the juices. Come at the end of the day. I, you will, you'll have a colonic. I'll give you the supplements. And, uh, and then judge for yourself. And within 10 days, I had even better results than the friend that I just described. Hmm. It was just mind-blowing. No more bloating. No more digestive issues. No more allergies. No more wow. depression. No, it was just mind-blowing. So I said, oh, my God, how come I didn't learn this in medical school? Can I be your student? She said, yeah, sure. But, but she learned her stuff from books like Arise and Shine and, and, and you know, and uh, Arnold Eretz, Mucusless Diet, and the kind of books that, are, that some people would consider hippie-ish, right? And it was a little, a little bit hokey-pokey, but you cannot argue with results. So I, I kept you know, digging in and digging in. And then suddenly I found Jeffrey Bland and the Institute for Functional Medicine. And then boom, everything started <laughs> making sense. Right? So I could, I could then explain biochemically, physiologically, and, and, and anatomically everything that I was witnessing that looked like hokey pokey. I said, whoa, wow, this is real science. And I just never looked back. Hey, it's Jeff. And as an athlete, I've been told my entire life to make sure that I get enough electrolytes. But it's only recently that I have truly understood what electrolytes are and the many essential physiological functions that they fulfill. Okay, so you ready for Electrolytes 101? Here we go. When essential minerals like sodium, potassium, chloride, and magnesium dissolve in a fluid, they form electrolytes, positive or negative ions needed to maintain vital bodily functions. For example, sodium ions are used by the brain to send electrical signals, hello electrolytes, through your neurons in order to communicate with other neurons and the cells throughout your body. So electrolytes are key for brain health. Sodium also retains water and maintains proper hydration levels and fluid balance in your cells through a process called osmosis. Now, calcium and potassium are needed for muscle contraction. They facilitate muscle fibers to slide together and move over each other as the muscle shortens and contracts. And magnesium is also required in this process so that the muscle fibers can relax after contraction. Now, magnesium is a total other beast. It plays a role in protein synthesis, sleep, and blood sugar balance, and hundreds of other functions. Now, it's for all these reasons and more that I add Element to my water. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with a thousand milligrams of sodium, 
200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. And guess what? No sugar. Element is sweetened with stevia, a plant-based sugar substitute that won't spike glucose levels. A 20-ounce serving of many popular sports drinks that I'm sure you know can contain 36 grams of sugar. It's absurd that those products are marketed as healthy when they contain almost as much sugar as a soda. Many listeners know that I still play competitive tennis. Now, before I started using Element, I was prone to fatigue and cramping during long matches due to the loss of sodium. No longer. I'm right there moving like a panther at the end of a grueling three-set match. So right now, Element is offering Commune listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash commune. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T, drinkelement.com slash commune. Element offers no questions around refunds, so try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You've got nothing to lose. So go to drinkelement.com slash commune. You know, you sit at the kind of crosshairs of, as you say, understanding the biochemistry of what these ancient traditions intuited through their close observation of nature. But then you were able, you've been able to layer on a uh, uh, empirical uh, understanding of, of mechanism. Um, on top of this science or this understanding of life. And it, it's fascinating. I'll just mention that, you know, my, my grandfather was a cardiologist. And, um, uh, and at 57, I remember him calling my father and he said, I'm quitting cardiology. And my dad said, well, well what are you, you going to do? You, you've been a cardiologist all your life. You know, you spent tens of thousands of, of hours on your craft. He said, I'm becoming a gypsy violinist. <laughs> and uh, for the I rest of his that. life, uh, for the rest of his life, he played gypsy violin in small clubs around San Francisco and in camps and all this stuff. And he was the happiest guy. Um, in many ways, because he spent the balance of his life being absolutely present, absolutely here and now, not in this world of abstraction, in this world of like playing the music just to play the music. And, um, you know, you, you, you talk about um, your experience with uh, a glimpse of samadhi, if you will, that feeling of integrated consciousness when the experience of what it's like to be you and the experience of the world just completely yoke and fuse. And there's just the world. That's it. And um, very few people get a taste of that. Um, but when you do, 
it is absolutely epiphanous. And you can't, you can't untaste it. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, as you say, um, so many of us right now are suffering what, from what is known as monkey mind, where, uh, you know, thoughts are like branches and we're just swinging wildly from branch to branch. You know, one thought, another thought, here, this thought, that thought. And, um, and you know, this is one form of toxicity. You know, we get barraged by social media and 24-hour news with what is the equivalent of chemicals and preservatives and food, but we're getting it through in with information. Which, which, which by the way, Ayurveda, which is a 5,000-year-old science or art, makes no distinction between the 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 toxic thoughts in your head and the toxic thoughts in your body and the toxic chemicals in your body everything is under the umbrella of ama right and That's and right. and toxic thoughts toxic emotions toxic molecules are all considered a a, a family yeah um one part of the, your book and your work that, um, honestly, some of my listeners might find somewhat overwhelming, um, but I promise there's good news uh, on the other side, is the uh, cornucopia of sources of toxicity. Now, you know, you found meditation um, to address... Um, toxic thoughts, for example, like uh, the second verse of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, uh, it says, uh, what is it? It's yoga chitta vritti naroda. Yoga is the progressive stilling of the fluctuations of the mind, right? Um, but I wonder if you could enumerate, just so people can understand, the vast array of sources of toxicity um the air the air we breathe the water we drink and shower with the medications we consume of which only 10 percent are the active ingredients and then there's all these other chemicals put there for coloring for for consistency for for to to last longer the the cosmetics that we apply on our skin the toiletries that we use to clean ourselves the 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 clothing that we that we wear the detergents with which we wash those clothes the furnitures in our home the paints that we paint our wall with the plastics that we cover our cars with, a new smell that you get of a, of a new car. This is all off-gassing of plastics. The mattresses we sleep on, in which we spend 30 or, or, or more percent of our lives laying down on and breathing the off-gassing of the fire retardants that are, that are constantly emanating into your lungs. But mostly the food-like products that we eat as foods are loaded with chemicals that alone or in combination cause some kind of disruption in your metabolism, in your physiology. They either block hormones, they either 
activate receptors or block receptors. They damage the intestinal flora. They, they erode the intestinal wall. They excite the, the, the nervous system, both in your intestines and in your, and in your skull. And they cause all kinds of havoc that eventually end up forming or manifesting as a diagnosable disease. Hmm. Yeah, it's just um, somewhat overwhelming when I listen to you uh, bullet point all of the sources of toxicity because... Um, you know, we can do our very, very best to align with nature, to eat organic food, to exercise and to uh, adopt various different protocols um, to uh, upregulate our immune system, for example. But, but these toxins are just ubiquitous. Um, Inescapable in, in the modern world today. Yeah. Inescapable. Now, now, having said that, what you just mentioned is probably the most important thing that we can do. When you start eating real foods and not edible stuff, when you start mm. eating organic, real foods, fruits, vegetables, and, and if you eat animals, then animals that were, you know, caught from the wild, not raised in farms and, and injected with all kinds of stuff. That is probably the most important aspect of reversing this, this uh, a, a plane crash that, that, <laughs> that we are in, right? This falling yeah. plane heading to, heading to a mountain to explode, right? That is the most important aspect of it. So I consider that kind of like the parachute because when you start with that, the effects are very powerful, very noticeable, very effective, and and they lead to paying attention to all the other sources of toxicity. Absolutely. And before we start to dissect um, what particular foods that we can focus on, um, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about some of the innate mechanisms that the body has for detoxification and when our when we're properly aligned and in balance um we have a number of different intrinsic uh mechanisms as i as i say to address uh, a, a lot of toxification so can you spend a moment just Enumerate what the body already has. So the life is a toxic and acid-forming process. You go for a run, you're creating lactic acid, which in a way is toxic because the accumulation of it will kill you eventually. Now, when any cell, every cell in your body breathes and lives, they are burning glucose within the cycle of Krebs in the, inside the mitochondria, and they are forming as waste products water and co2 co2 is dissolved in the in the blood as carbonic acid then when it passes through the lungs the difference in in, in partial pressures converts it back into a gas and you exhale it so detoxification is happening all the time toxicity 
as the creation of waste products of your metabolism is an inevitable part of living. You're breathing, you're running, you're creating lactic acid, uric acid, carbonic acid, uh, ammonia, uh, uh, homocysteine. All the waste products of your metabolism are continuously being detoxified, right? Now, detoxification involves uh, two basic processes, right? One of them is the conversion of toxic molecules into non-toxic molecules. And the second one is the elimination of, of that product through sweat, urine, feces, and breath, right? So, so the conversion of toxic molecules into non-toxic molecules happens in every cell in the body, but especially and intensively in the liver through the activity mm -hmm. of the liver enzymes, the cytochrome P450 enzymes, the conjugases, and the, all, all, the, all the enzymes that the liver produce they have the ability to, you know, cut off some atoms from certain molecules, add on other atoms, change the spatial and, and biochemical properties, and, and transform them from toxic to non-toxic, and from fat-soluble into water-soluble. Because the, mm. the, the body only knows how to excrete and eliminate things that are dissolvable in water hydrosoluble, right? So, or hydrophilic. Now, what happens is that this has been happening for eons since the, you know, the beginning of uh, creatures on the planet, because not only human beings do that. Every living creature does that, does this, you know, creates waste products and detoxifies them, right? Now, a hundred years ago or around that time, we started trying to make life easier and more comfortable. And with that purpose in mind, we started inventing stuff. And we started adding chemicals to everything to make it last longer, to make it taste better, to, to make it more profitable, to even to animals to make them grow faster and, and and then because you know we weaken their immune system we inject antibiotics to make to 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 prevent them from getting sick so that you don't lose money so we started adding chemicals in the name of comfort and 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 modern life to everything and we created almost an unsustainable situation because we are you, you look around and everybody's sick everybody's suffering from some problem or another so, yeah. so this toxic barrage, um, and the miracle is that even chemicals that were invented this morning, the liver will probably know how to detoxify. We have invented a few that, that cannot be detoxified. And those are the, the, the um, 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 persistent organic pollutants, the POPs, right? There's no way of detoxifying. The, the liver doesn't know how to do it. But 99.9% .9 of, the, of the toxins that we're exposed to, somehow the liver knows as if nature predicted this disaster and, 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 and gave the liver the enzymes that will allow them to break down even the most modern chemicals that are, that, that are around, right? So, so um, but the problem is, that at a time when toxicity is rampant and, you know, normally 
um, nature gives us the ability to adapt and survive. So if the only problem was a lot of toxins, then maybe the liver would be would get bigger and would you know and and, and would produce more enzymes and right. But at a time when toxins are rampant, we because of our lifestyles are depressing and weakening our detoxification system. How is the most basic way in which we do that? We are eating all day long, and therefore we are digesting all day long. Digestion consumes a lot of energy and resources in the body. And, and, there, and therefore, the detoxification processes are slowed down. The detoxification processes only start getting strong after you finish digestion. But we're never done with digestion because even before you finish digestion, you're putting the next meal in, in and the, or the next snack in, inside. So you keep your body in digesting mode. The detoxification is kept in, in a semi-hibernating state and, and detoxification doesn't happen. Then there's accumulation of toxins. On top of that, 30 to 40% of the detoxification job that we need is actually done by the bacteria and the other organisms in your intestines. And because of our lifestyle and because of all these chemicals, we are decimating this, this uh, incredible organ you know, like that, that, that is the intestinal flora. So, so 30 to 40% of the detoxification system is, is gone or, or around that. <coughs> and we're ending up in a total disaster. The toxicity of our world, I call it the other inconvenient truth. You know, everybody's focusing on global warming, but global warming is just a fever. And, and what is causing the fever? I believe it's the toxicity of our planet. And I believe that, that, that very tied to the toxicity of our planet is the epidemic, the pandemic of the chronic diseases of the modern world, which basically start in the intestines, which is the, is the system, the digestive system, the immune and repair system, the nervous system, they all live around the, around the intestines. This is where health and disease begins. And this is where toxicity has its biggest impact. So high toxicity, low detoxification ability, incredible damage in the gut, the chronic diseases of the modern world. Hey, it's Jeff. Now, I always heard vitamin supplements are a waste of money as they just pass through your system. Expensive pee, right? Well, now I understand why and the reasons it's so hard to absorb large doses of certain nutrients through the pills, powders, and gummies at the store. Now, when you take these supplements or even consume foods, your digestive system must extract vitamins and minerals and, depending on the nutrient, convert them to a form your body can use. Now, some nutrients depend on proteins to transport them into the bloodstream and to the cells for absorption. Now, often, 
these supplements contain such large quantities that your body doesn't have enough resources like transporter proteins to absorb the nutrients. Since your body can't store water-soluble vitamins like C and the B family, as well as minerals like magnesium, zinc, and selenium, they wind up excreted and never reaching the cells where they are needed to support your immune system, metabolism, nervous system, and so much more. Now, I didn't know all of this when I started taking Live On Labs Lipospheric Vitamin C. I just know that if Skylar was giving them to me, they must be good. Well, it turns out that Live On Labs understands the difficulty of high-dose nutrient absorption, and they became the first dietary supplement company to use liposomal encapsulation technology to enhance nutrient absorption. Now, liposomes are double-layered spheres that Live On Labs uses to surround, protect, and transport water-soluble vitamins and minerals into the bloodstream and to the cells for absorption. The liposomes are made of essential phospholipids, the same material that makes up your cells, so they easily pass into the cells and deliver the nutrients, staying behind to fortify the cell membrane. Now, the Live On Labs liposome encapsulated supplement line includes vitamin C, a B vitamin complex that contains pre-methylated folate, a magnesium specifically formulated for the brain, and the master antioxidant glutathione. And guess what? Only the ingredients necessary for maximum absorption. That means no sugar and no fillers, no colors, no artificial flavors. If you don't wanna know what that tastes like, and trust me, you probably don't, make sure to follow the instructions on the package. Uh, right now, Live On Labs is offering commune listeners free sample two packs of all their liposome encapsulated supplements with any purchase. This is a great way to try all six of their powerful supplements and get accustomed to their weird, unique, goo-like consistency. Just get yours at liveonlabs.com commune. This offer is only available through my link. You must go to liveonlabs.com slash commune. Live On Labs has a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. So you have nothing to lose. Go to liveonlabs.com slash commune. And we, as you say, I've never heard it put that way, that uh, global warming is the fever. Um, but it, it strikes me as, uh, as true because, it, and, it, and you can look around our political landscape, for example, you know, what we see as social inflammation has its root in actual real inflammation at the physiological level. And these are just well, different go, they, kinds of expressions they, of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're the same thing in in their different shades and colors and tastes and yeah, yeah. And I think you know, culture is fast, and evolution is slow, and so you know, nature in its foundational cosmic intelligence has developed all of these. Uh, adaptive mechanisms that allow, for example, the human body to detoxify. But culture is moving so fast 
that it has outpaced these adaptive mechanisms and made them in many cases maladaptive. Now, now, Jeff, I'm I'm going to invite you to follow this thought. Okay. I don't even believe that there are any diseases. I believe mm. that what we perceive as as diseases are just adaptation and survival mechanisms that has had, has gone on for too long. Now, I'm a cardiologist. Cardiovascular disease is the number one killer still in the world, right? probably going to be surpassed by cancer and autoimmune diseases at some point, but it's still, and, and, and the number one killer is coronary artery disease, right? Now, even in the name, it is classified as a disease, but listen to this thought. When, when toxins, when, when oxidants, when high blood pressure, when smoke of cigarettes, when smoke of, of, of pollution enter your bloodstream, and circulate, they start causing microfissures in the arteries. The body has a very intelligent adaptive and survival mechanism, which is to patch those microfissures with what? With cholesterol plaque. Now, if the insult were to come and go, like nature sees all the time, insults coming and going, then then just... (laughs) Yeah, just like like uh, Dean Ornish proved it, the plaque of cholesterol gets absorbed and and goes away, and the and the artery gets healed. But if the insult persists, then the plaque continues depositing, and that survival mechanism, which is the deposit of plaque in your artery, eventually is is non-sustainable because the plaque occupies so much space or breaks and cause a blood clot, and it gives you a heart attack. So what we see as the chronic diseases of the modern world are not really even diseases. They are the perfect, intelligent mechanisms by which the body is trying to survive your lifestyle. Mm. Mm. Yes, there is a lot to think about there. I mean... If you were to uh, think about functional medicine as, as moving upstream to always examine root cause and you were to go to the bottom of that stream, the lowest place, the ocean, <laughs> there, there's a death event. There's myocardial infarction or something that causes the end of life. But if you move up from there, okay, well, then you have a series of different symptoms that in uh, aggregate, we label as a disease, right? So we call it um, uh, coronary artery disease or atherosclerosis, um, essentially the, the phenomenon that, that you just described. Um, but if we even go up one rung on the ladder from there, there's another set of symptoms that seem uh, less acute, you know, uh, chronic fatigue, brain fog, bloating, constipation, um, some form of depression, uh, edema, you know, and, and so, and then if we go up, uh, because many of these, what we label chronic diseases, whether it's coronary artery disease or diabetes or, um, or neurodegenerative diseases, these are progressive over long periods of time. 
And if we keep going up, um, upstream, you know, where we find is that many of these diseases share a common cause or a common set of causes. That's <laughs> inflammation. Absolutely. Yeah. Inflammation. And, and if you look and if you look at where inflammation goes from local to systemic in most people's bodies, it's in the gut. Because eighty percent of your immune system lives within and around the gut, which has a, 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 a surface of a tennis court. And, and, and that's where inflammation goes wildfire. And that's where most problems begin. Yeah. And, and it's this or, disruption of the, of the immune system that's even very connected to uh, detoxification. For example, like in your liver, which which acts as some kind of filter system. Um, so when your blood is, is going through your liver, it has this unbelievable intelligence to be able to identify that which is toxic and address those toxins with the immune system. These cells, I think they're called uh, like cupper cells, um, and they actually engulf the toxin uh, in a process of, of phagocytosis. And but when we begin to degrade the uh, immune system, which you say is, is primarily located in the gut through the disruption of our gut bacteria, uh, which causes dysbiosis and eventually intestinal permeability, and, and, and this has direct relationship with some of the key cells associated with our immune system, T cell regulation, et cetera. Um, so there is a very direct line and a very empirical understanding that we can apply to how our physiological vehicle uh, and its functions become degraded. That's exactly right. And then, and then all symptoms, all systems suffer because all systems are connected. Absolutely. So... Let's get into your protocols. And you've um, gathered these protocols under the aegis of the CLEAN program. And the, the CLEAN program has uh, a number of di different iterations. The one I'm most familiar with is the CLEAN 7. Uh, but they all um, rely on a, a certain body of work and intelligence and organization, which I think of, of, of realigning one's physiology with nature's foundational intelligence. That's how I think about it anyways. So I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you about my work in, in the chronology in which I created, right? So as okay. I was exposed to cleansing and detoxification in this detox spa in Palm Springs, I became obsessed with understanding uh, what it was. And through functional medicine, I was able to really grasp what was going on and how these benefits came to be when, when you do something simple things, right? Um, so, so I created the clean program. The clean program is a 21 day program that, 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 um, enhances and supports the detoxification system. How does it do that? By decreasing the workload of the digestive system 
and I do that in two ways. One is by replacing two meals a day with liquid meals, breakfast and dinner, and the one solid meal a day, you can only have foods from a set list of foods. There's a list of foods that you can and there's a list of foods that you cannot eat. And basically, it's the elimination diet that functional medicine provides, right? So no, the, the five big ones, no bread, I mean, no gluten, no sugar, no dairy, no coffee, no alcohol, right? And then there's a few other ones, like nightshades and, and things like that. So, so um, you decrease the workload of the digestive system. You provide enough nutrients for the liver to create its enzymes, and you enhance the elimination channels, and the results are just mind-blowing. In 21 days, I can help people reverse 60% of the problems that they come to me with. It doesn't matter what they are, from autoimmune diseases to, to inflammatory diseases of the bones and joints to cardiovascular diseases to, to even, even psychiatric problems, right? Um, and, and of course, there's an aspect of re-inoculation and improvement of conditions for the intestinal flora to thrive and repopulate and 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 shift into a healthier combination right now when i created the clean program i thought i discovered a magic wand because i would put my patients on this and and as i said 60% of them would go fantastic but there was this 40% that didn't respond very well or didn't respond fully. And that took me to go back in and say, well, what's the problem with these people? So these people were not only having a backlog of toxicity and the effects of this toxicity, but they were also having a bigger damage in their intestines that we know now as leaky gut of, or hyperpermeability. And a detoxification program alone did not provide all the conditions necessary for the gut to repair itself. For example, I needed to go a little more restrictive on the diet. For example, eliminating grains, right? Apart from sugar, dairy, gluten, alcohol, and coffee, I also had to eliminate grains to create the conditions for the gut to repair it because grains are like a like sandpaper, you know. And when you eat, and, and imagine your skin is 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 cut, and and the skin is trying to heal, and you scratch it every day, you're gonna make it bleed again. So it's the same thing that happens in the gut. The gut is skin; it's the skin turned in, inside. So so this skin is scratched, and this skin is now hyperpermeable, right? And 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 then is when I created the clean gut program that is a little more restrictive in the diet and it will enhance your detoxification system and it will provide support for liver and, and elimination and everything, but it will also provide the extra steps needed for a better gut repair process. For example, I add L-glutamine to to the program uh, mm. because L-glutamine is one of the nutrients that 
is the limiting factor. If you don't have enough, the the tight junctions in the in the in the gut will not be able to reestablish themselves, right? And that's one of the things. And aloe vera, and so there's a few things that the clean program doesn't consider that the clean gut program does. And then later on, with some time in my in my hands, I started uh, addressing a different problem, which is nobody wants to do a 21-day program. <laughs> Life is so fast. Everybody's so busy. I have, a I have a wedding next weekend. I can't start. And then two weeks later, I have another wedding and, um, you know, or, or whatever. And, and so I don't have three weeks to. So I said, well, how, could, how do I accelerate these processes? And that's when I had the fortune to go to work with a legend in Ayurvedic medicine. He's now passed, but but um, Dr. Narendra Singh. He was a he was an MD, but also a botanist. Also uh, taught himself how to read Sanskrit because he didn't trust the translations of the Ayurvedic texts. Um, <laughs> And, and he had a remarkable life in India, used to see hundreds of people for free every day, never charged anybody. One, he was a professor uh, of research in the University of, of Lucknow in India, an, an incredible, one of those remarkable men, just like Jeffrey Bland is, you know, yeah. I, I, a man of that stature. You know, I consider yeah. Jeffrey Bland one of the most intelligent men that I've ever met. I think you should have a Nobel Prize for creating functional medicine, but time will tell. Um, so I had the fortune to sit down with this guy for a few weeks and for him to simplify certain Ayurvedic principles and practices that he told me because he read my book. And when I met him, he said, oh, this is a great Ayurvedic medicine book. I said, no, it's a functional medicine book. Oh, the same thing, he said. <laughs> so I said, but, but he said, but you're missing a couple of things. I said, well, what am I missing? He said, well, things could go better if you pay attention to your Ayurvedic dosha. If you use, if you use um, adaptogenic herbs, mm -hmm. and if you include intermittent fasting within your program. So that's when I created the Clean Seven program, which is a seven-day program that is a mixture of functional medicine principles, Ayurvedic medicine principles, and intermittent fasting. Hey, it's Jeff, and I'm excited to tell you about one of our partners here on the podcast. Vivo Barefoot is a natural health lifestyle company on a mission to reconnect people to the natural world and to their innate potential from the ground up, person by person, foot by foot. Created by Galahad and Asher Clark, two cousins from a long line of cobblers, Vivo Barefoot draws upon three simple barefoot design principles, wide, thin, and flexible. Now, these design principles lead to optimal foot health and natural movement. Vivo Barefoot makes their footwear from the best materials nature has to offer, allowing your feet to move, to breathe, and to perform with every step. A million years of engineering, also known as evolution, has yielded the perfect blueprint 
for standing, walking, and running. Your feet. When left to their own devices, they can cope with everything from walking and running to jumping and dancing. But cram them in a modern shoe and you cut off their natural potential. Now, I've been wearing Magna Forest boots for hiking the trails here in California. I love the feeling of the connection to the ground and their airiness while still providing me with the basic protections. I also get a ton of comments on the unique and attractive design. What's more, Vivo Barefoot is a certified B Corp. Vivo Barefoot is giving feet the freedom to move as mother nature intended. The best piece of technology ever to be put into a shoe is the human foot. So you can get 15% off your first Vivo Barefoot order at vivobarefoot.com and use the code VIVOCOMMUNE15 at checkout. That's VIVOBAREFOOT.COM and use the code VIVOCOMMUNE15 at checkout. Reclaim your natural potential. The journey starts with your feet. I interview a lot of functional medicine doctors on this program, but could you give a very concise definition for functional medicine, just so people have some kind of foundational knowledge about what functional medicine is when we talk about it? So functional medicine, I always explain to people, is what would happen, let's say, let's say you grab the best Ayurvedic medicine doctor, uh, the best uh, the best uh, uh, regular doctor, right? And you teach him how to think like an Ayurvedic medicine doctor, then you'll have a functional yeah. medicine doctor, right? So it's, 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 it's the reorganization of science and, and medical principles. And it's, it's the reorganization of all this knowledge, you know, functional medicine sits on the shoulders of, Western modern medicine. It uses all its knowledge, all its biochemical, physiological, anatomical, all this knowledge just reorganized in a way in which you respect bio-individuality. Mm-hmm. You, respect, you respect or consider not only uh, different organs, but the whole body as a, as a combination of systems and within a system right so so the environment and and everything counts so so really it's it's a it's medicine 2.0 it's the the way that medicine should evolve and is evolving in in you know when i went to medical school i was taught in the divide and conquer mode Right, and so after medical school, I became a cardiologist, and my one of my best friends became an ophthalmologist, and another guy that I know became a hepatologist, and then there was a nephrologist, and everybody took a little piece of the body and get specialized, and never even talked to anybody again, and anybody else. The nephrologist doesn't talk to the cardiologist, doesn't talk to the gastroenterologist, doesn't talk to the pulmonologist. Everybody's doing their own thing, like as if. We were a collection of isolated islands, which are the organs. Functional medicine thinks in systems. 
and mm. and 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 knowing also that all these systems are connected so i don't know if yeah. that was useful i mean that was beautiful um i often think of what functional medicine is doing to kind of traditional western allopathic medicine is what Einstein and then subsequently like Niels Bohr and Schrodinger and Max Planck did, did to physics, did to Newtonian physics. Exactly. Yes. Where yes. we used to think of uh, Newtonian physics anyways, as this linear mechanistic worldview um, of kind of uh, often shown in the world of billiard balls, but where one thing leads exactly to another and if you can just isolate the one mishap and address it with something well then you know you you, you can address which the, the course which of gave me the idea of calling functional medicine quantum medicine well that's it and i think what we're realizing particularly in uh after the human genome project finished its work um, and only discovered that we have about 20,000 genes, more or less as much as a fruit fly, um, how are we producing all of these different proteins? You know, hundreds of thousands of proteins in the body, for example. And with these uh, arising fields of study, like epigenetics and neuroplasticity and greater understanding of the microbiome, we are learning that uh, the, f the body doesn't work in a simple linear mechanistic way. You can't just isolate a very particular problem like the uh, overabundance of, of low uh, density lipoproteins and then just throw a statin at it and hope to actually cure anything. You can, as you say, mask certain symptoms, but now we are slowly moving into this whole systems thinking or what is known as kind of systems biology and um, obviously jeff plant jeff bland was a pioneer in that but even before that you had linus pauling who did win a nobel prize <laughs> and who, um, who, who yeah. was jeff bland's teacher right that's right that's right and started to understand this idea of orthomolecular medicine of how all of these systems work together and, um, and started to even understand this notion of like epinutrition, which is yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and eventually we're going to, eventually we're going to add to that, uh, salad, all the spiritual, <laughs> uh, aspect of, of, of life, which functional medicine considers, but doesn't go much into right by, by, by which I think we're going to really come to a whole understanding because, because um, you know, when, when human beings become completely present, they defy the laws of physics. They mm. defy the laws of biology. I mean, Christians believe that Jesus Christ used to be able to see, to make the blind see or the, or the, the cripple walk. Right. Um, I think that that's not just a metaphor. I think that is true. I think that that there are people at, at given points in 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 life in in the world that become so fully present that they 
actually are able to bend the rules of physics and, and biology and, and cause these apparent miracles, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's plenty of, of uh, examples in, in, the, in the Eastern world, you know, with gurus that, that cause all kinds of healings and uh, appear in two places at the same time, you know, and, and, and things like yeah. that. Yeah, Babaji. Um, but I think even just what you described in your shift of consciousness that you had with Guru Mai, you might consider that a miracle in and of itself, where we find an ability to transcend our sensory instruments that inform a feeling of separation with the world because we label things in our field of spotlight consciousness. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the magic of something that we haven't talked about and maybe we'll talk about it in a different conversation, yeah. which is plant medicines, ayahuasca, yeah. ibogaine, psilocybin, wachuma, San Pedro, all these, all these plants that really shatter the veil of separation and, 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 and show you that what we perceive as reality is just measured or or limited by the ability of the instruments that we are using our eyes our ears our you know yeah well and in the same way that every cell in the body which shares the same dna is methylated in a particular way or hypermethylated in a particular way to differentiate. So a liver cell becomes a liver cell and a lung cell becomes a lung cell and a kidney cell becomes a kidney cell. You can zoom out from there and say, well, are humans that different from all of the organs in a body that all need to work together in cooperation? And you would never call this Jeff, anything else but one individual, undividable, yet once you look closer at it, it's all of these different systems uh, working together. And I think these moments of, of, of Satori or uh, Samadhi or Christ consciousness or unity consciousness is a individual's recognition that we are all one thing that we are functioning within an interdependent, connected universe that the Buddha described as Indra's net. To that, <laughs> to that you know, comes to mind um, the work of Gurdjieff. And, and are you familiar with, with uh, yeah. George Ivanovich Gurdjieff? And, and yes. how he explains that, that human beings are really just one cell in this planetary body and just like we think of trees as having the function of making oxygen for everybody else and you know everything has a function right just like your liver has a function humans have a function and it's the transformation of consciousness you know and that function is only achieved when humans become fully present and Mm -hmm. and in in the world today in the modern world today 
everybody's so busy thinking, oh, I'm an architect, I'm a doctor, I'm a rapper, I'm a this. I mean, everybody <laughs> thinks it's so unique and so different. But in, in reality, we're here as a little converter of energy that we convert the oxygen that we breathe, the impressions that we, that we take in, the foods that we eat, and the connections that we create, we convert them into our state. And when your state is one of full presence, you are actually like the tree that takes in CO2 and converts it into oxygen. And you're creating something that the universe needs. And the universe is in such lack of that now because all these little cells, the 7 billion cells, they're only counted in your hands, the ones that are actually fulfilling their function in that way, (laughs) right? right. So we live in a disaster. Yeah, well... When a cell becomes dysfunctional and individuated and stops communicating well with other cells and doesn't know when to stop growing, well, we have a name for that cell. That's That's cancer. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, like, for example, if you think of of a planet Earth as an animal and the rivers are the arteries and the forests are the lungs and the, you know, the oceans are, it's amniotic fluid and, and, and you and I are like little red blood cells running around, right? Um, that animal, that patient has a fever. And what do you do when patients have a fever? You do blood tests, right? So you extract some blood and all these little cells and you look at them under the microscope, you count them and you take a look at, what, at, at their behavior. And if we do that with a giant uh, syringe and we, we extract the blood, you know, the, 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 the creatures that are running around on this planet, one species doesn't know when to stop growing, kills, other, uh, kills yeah. themselves and other species, produce, produces toxic waste to the point that the, it will kill the host, right? And you call that cancer. And we may just be the cancer of the planet. Mm. Yeah, this is why a great awakening is is necessary. Or, you know, nature will have the final say, the way the body keeps the score, right? And and cleanse itself. And cleanse itself, that's right. Yeah. So I I took us uh, on a a detour there. Um, So we were dissecting the core tenets of the clean program, or the clean seven, I should specify. And so we talked about, we were started to talk about functional medicine and then Ayurveda, which we will talk about. And, um, and of course, intermittent fasting, which is something that plays a big role in my own personal life. But I want to go back to an element of functional medicine or one of the tenets, I suppose, that you leverage as part of the clean seven. So we talked about the elimination diet and, and some of the key foods to, to eliminate dairy, sugar, gluten, alcohol, uh, some nightshades, as you say, um, but you also outline the five R's as a uh, reflection of some of the theories of functional medicine. So if I remember them, uh, remove, restore, repair, re-inoculate, and relax. Relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So maybe you could take us quickly through the five R's and sure. what role they play. Sure. In functional medicine, you know, we say that, that when you remove the obstacle and you restore whatever is lacking, everything corrects by itself, right? 
So those are the mm. two first R's. You remove the obstacles. What are the obstacles or the toxins that we're exposed to? How do you remove them? By removing all the, the, the chemicals and, and avoiding processed foods, everything that, that, that has chemicals, right? And even of the things that may not have chemicals, you remove certain things too that are unnatural and toxic to the body in most cases, which are sugar, coffee, uh, um, alcohol, gluten, and dairy, right? Now, when you do that, you are removing the, the things that, that are the, the obstacles. Now, what, what are you re- restoring? You're restoring the good nutrients, right? So you eat real foods. You eat the organics or, or, or food, or, of course, but real foods. Um, and I'd like to simplify it for people. You know, you have all these very smart, way smarter doctors than me that can talk about the, the 200 polyphenols and all the differences. Yeah. And, but, but I like to right. make it simple for people. I take people, eat real foods, as provided by nature, and eat the rainbow. Eat, eat every color that, that, that you can find, you know, because every color has a different polyphenol or groups of polyphenols, and the entourage effect of all of them are, are going to really benefit you, right? Um, so that's remove, restore, re-inoculate. Oh, part of the remove is also removing the bad organisms in your gut, right? Now, just by creating the, the, the beneficial conditions for the good organisms, those are the unbeneficial conditions for the bad organisms. Because the bad organisms don't like oxygen, they don't like, uh, you know, greens, and they don't like, they don't like uh, good foods. They like crap. So when you remove the crap, you're removing some of the bad organisms, and then you re-inoculate, whether, whether it's by using fermented foods or soil-based organisms, or probiotics and prebiotics, uh, and so you're helping re-inoculate, repopulate the intestinal flora, right? And then you have repair, right? And and for repair, there's there's a few things. Of course, with good nutrients, you're going to enhance the immune and repair mechanisms. You're going to also rest the body, right? Rest digestion, rest the body in general, rest the mind allow for for the repair mechanisms to work uh, at optimal conditions and then the last one is relaxation because as you began this uh, interview um, talking about uh, stress and 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 uh, you know, the the different uh, effects that the monkey mind has um, stress is the biggest toxin that we are suffering from and 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 that leads to all the other toxins because when you're stressed you have poor choices and poor practices and and you don't take care of yourself and you don't take care of anything oh my god look at that you see that it's a it's it's like a little iguana but but without like a dragon (laughs) i don't know it's it's amazing (laughs) yeah uh anyway um yeah so relaxation is a is a crucial uh, necessity in the planet today. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the mind body connection. It isn't even really a connection because it's just really one thing. But um, you know what we're suffering from, what I call kind of the 
greatest non-consensual psychological experiment in history, which is Facebook and various other platforms like Twitter and et cetera, we know very well that this chronic stress that is coming from our overuse of media platforms and the attention economy um, is triggering this trophic cascade in which our HPA access, uh, um, the kind of primary endocrine access in our body is going into chronic overdrive. And we are producing these hormones and neuromodulators and that yeah and that that, you know, that we, has been that has been amplified by social media and facebook and this and that but but i don't even blame that a hundred percent on mm. the because when i came to the united states there wasn't any facebook there wasn't even computers you know i mean in and and and, and, and and internet and the same thing was going on and, and yeah. now it's amp, it's amplified by by social media but um but I, I don't think that, that that was the beginning of it. So the seed for stress was already germinating, <laughs> even I th- I think, prior. I think, yeah. I think the seed of stress is our inability to be present. Hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's the, the exile from the Garden of Eden. It's a metaphor for us not being present because we are in yeah. the Garden of Eden. And, and, and we're just n- n- not smelling the roses. That's right. We need to go find a Bodhi tree. Um, okay, let's move into the ancient world of Ayurveda. Um, could you give us a succinct summary uh, of Ayurveda for people who are not familiar with it? Imagine, imagine if, imagine if it was possible that God itself, or nature, or the intelligence itself, could get somebody who's in a trance and inject or download the information into their brains, so that it's translated into words of how things work and and how energies are are uh, formed and interact and 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 how nature heals right and this is exactly what ayurveda claims as its beginnings with the with the rishis with the seers which were people like jesus christ like the buddha like muhammad like you know the spiritual giants yeah, that were in such yeah. were in such connection with nature in such communion with nature, in such state of presence, that they were able to basically download the instructions from nature and write them down in the Sanskrit the text of Ayurveda. And, and that's what, how I think of Ayurveda. Hmm. Beautiful. Um, that in these Vedas and in the Upanishads, there is a system of what we call medicine um, that seeks to treat and integrate the body, the mind, and the spirit uh, in a holistic approach and taking into account all of the things that we've um, 
touched on, you know, certainly movement and diet and meditation and breath work, um, et cetera. Um, I think the, one of the, um, ways that I think you've put it before is it understands that nature is the ultimate physician, right? Well, it is, <laughs> it is. When you cut yourself, when you cut yourself, um, you just sit down if, if, if you will, and, and, and watch for days and you will see how it fixes itself. Right. Um, the, the body has the ability to, to repair itself, to heal itself. And, and so, I mean, where's that intelligence coming from? Right. Right. And it's the disruption of nature that impedes it to our body's ability to heal itself and creates disease. So can you explain the concept in Ayurveda of ama? Ama is toxicity. So it's, it's anything that hinders the optimal functioning of nature, right? And it could be in thought, in emotion, in action, in, 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 in molecules, in toxic molecules, right? So it's all the uh, low vibration influences in the body, whether they're physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. And they're all under the same umbrella and they're considered to be resonance, uh, of a, a, they have a resonance affinity. One brings the other. If you have toxic emotions, you're going to crave toxic foods. If you eat toxic foods, you're going to have toxic thoughts, you know, because by resonance, the similar frequencies attract each other, right? So they go together. I see, I see this a lot when I put people on the clean program or the clean seven program, they tell me, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I, I, I not only feel better in my body, but I'm thinking better. I'm, I'm having less toxic thoughts. I'm having less, you know, anger and more patience and more, more, um, uh, compassion. I, I, I get along better with my kids. These are what, you know, the people that do the clean and the clean seven program tell me. And you know, what's the explanation is that first of all, we eliminated toxic foods. Then we eliminated toxins from the body and that leads people to attract less toxic emotions and toxic thoughts. They all go together. Absolutely. And now, of course, you can understand that principle um, at a very um, empirical uh, level if you want to, you know, unwind how the consumption of sugar, for example, disrupts the gut and leads to intestinal permeability, which then leads to inflammation. And that inflammation then moves through the body and, and, and into the brain. And all of a sudden you're, uh, you're irritated and you have brain fog and you can't sleep and you have poor memory. Um, and you wake up the next day or you don't wake up because you've been up all night and you start to make very, very poor decisions and you're irritable and you, you know, you start yelling at your kids. I mean, this whole, it's not a mystery how all of these things uh, are, are connected. To me, it's very clear. I mean, I can see the yeah. links one after the other. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the other um, concept in Ayurveda that you um, describe is Agni. So can you describe Agni and the relationship between Ama and Agni? Agni is the fire, right? Agni is a fire. In Ayurveda, it's very much related to the fire of digestion. But I take it a little bit further in my understanding. And it's not that it's not uh, that, that I take it further. I mean, Ayurveda also takes it further. But, but uh, uh, the, the fire, uh, which is necessary for life, you know, the, there's, a, there's a bit of fire in the heart. When the, when the sinus node uh, excites certain cells that initiate the contraction of the heart, right? It's electricity. That's fire. When you think mm. the spark of thought or imagination, that's also fire because it's, it's an electrical impulse, right? The, the fire of digestion is, 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 um, is the ability to, to burn things down, right? To, to, to cook the, your, your food inside your, 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 um, your, um, your gut. Now, this fire is, the the beginning of life the this is the, the the force of life this is what allows life to happen and this fire can be dampened and when you dampen the fire when you dampen agony by overeating by stressing by eating certain foods that that, that go against your ayurvedic constitution um you are impairing the different functions of the body and that leads to the accumulation of ahama Right. It, it, thought about it in simple terms. You know, when you, if you have a pile of, 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 of garbage and you want to get rid of it, you, turn, you, 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 you throw a match and, and it, it goes up in smoke and, it, and then you don't see it anymore. But if you don't have the fire, the, the, the garbage keeps accumulating. Right. right. So, so lack of agony it results in accumulation of ama. And accumulation of ama is at the root of most of all chronic diseases and most acute diseases as well. So your clean seven program is in some degree customized around people's individual predominant dosha, which is another prevalent concept in Ayurveda. Can you take a moment to explain that? Yeah. Ayurveda considers that not everybody is the same. Like in in Western medicine, you go to the doctor and yeah, you're a man or a woman and you're 70 or 80 kilos or whatever. But, but, but that's, that's about the difference. In Ayurveda, you are looked at in terms of your constitution and, and, your constitution is is determined by the different influences of the different energies in in, in the universe that create the universe: fire, wa- water, earth, wind, and ether. Right, and and you don't have to think about it as in the periodic table. It's it's more an energetic thing, right? But there there's people that have more fire. There's people that have more water. There's people that have more air. 
and different combinations of them. And you can you can actually determine what elements uh, have a higher influence on you, and what and and according to your constitution, what are the things that you are prone to go into imbalance, mm. right? And so if you have an extra or 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 bigger influence of fire and you eat foods that have an extra influence of fire then it's more likely that your fire will go out of out of whack and then bring on the diseases that extra fire brings like ulcers and you know heart attacks and things like that um so that's an extra layer that ayurvedic looks at that we are completely blind to in in western medicine and you know it all sounds very poetic and you know fire and water and whatever but i've seen it work incredibly effectively when you actually consider it in terms of what you're doing for people and instructing people to do absolutely so when so in the clean uh, seven he, pro, in the clean seven yeah. program i i give people a questionnaire that they can answer and determine what what not only what the Ayurvedic dosha is, but what their current imbalance is. Because there you have the, the the Vikriti, which is your constitution that you were born with, and then you have your Prikriti or Prakriti, which is, or the other way around. Prakriti is what you were born with, and Vikriti is the, is the current imbalance. So you right. determine what the current imbalance is, and if it's an excess in fire, you are going to avoid all the things that will blow the fire up, you know? So all the fiery foods and, and sometimes even the windy foods because the wind accelerates the fire, right? So, so when you take those things into consideration, you actually accelerate detoxification and, and, and repair. And yeah, we're, we're always trying to move back into this state of vibrancy of our core uh, psychosomatic constitution, the prakriti. Um, and, and one big part of that in Ayurveda is the use of what are known as aptogen, uh, adaptogenic herbs. So are there some primary herbs that are a part of your protocol? And what does an adaptogen actually really mean and do? So uh, adaptogen, you know, we're used in, in, in Western medicine to give something to counteract the effect of something. So you give, you give people that have a lot of acid, you give them antacid. You give people that have epilepsy uh, seizures, you give them anti-epileptics. People that get, form blood clots, you give them, uh, 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 you know, um, anticoagulants, right? It's, everything is anti, anti, anti. Um, in Ayurvedic medicine, they they distinguish they 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 found that certain plants actually have intelligent action, and mm. and for example, if your blood pressure is high and you take this plant, it will help the body lower blood pressure. But if it's low, it'll help the body increase the blood pressure. So it helps the body's adaptive mechanisms it helps mm. the body adapt to what is needed as opposed to a determined one effect you know that, that then if somebody has a blood pressure 
low and you give them a, a, a high blood pressure medication, you, you make it so lower that you can kill them, right? No, if you give them an adaptogenic herb, then you help the body adapt as opposed to creating a one-directed, a one-direction effect. And yes, and in the Clean 7 program, I recommend the use of Ayurvedic herbs, adaptogenic herbs, like ashwagandha, turmeric, tulsi, yeah. Yeah, and and it's being um discovered um that a lot of these adaptogenic herbs are actually also serve as epi nutrition such that they actually can methylate or hypermethylate um certain genes such that they express themselves differently, they turn on or they turn off. And the uh, intelligent use of uh, these herbs can actually turn on gene expression that um, that helps to uh, elicit vibrancy and health, and, and turn off uh, other ones well, that are like you're tumor talking, suppressors. You're talking, that, yeah. you're talking now of the mechanism of action, right? That is right. how yeah. that is how the adaptogenic yeah. herbs achieve their adaptogenic effect. Right, right. Um, okay, let's jump into uh, the the third pillar of the Clean Seven program, and of course, there's so much that we could talk about about functional medicine and Ayurveda, and that's like uh, you've spent your whole life doing it, so it's hard to codify it all in a single podcast. Uh, so I encourage everyone who's interested in these topics to go deeper uh, into your work and into your books. Um, but let's touch on intermittent fasting, because uh, this concept, though it is an ancient one, um, has come into uh, popularity, particularly in, in the last five years. Um, what is, why is fasting important, first of so all? So again, again, I like to simplify things. You know, you can, if, if you want to, difficult concepts, you can go listen to Dave Asprey mumble about, <laughs> about these things to exhaustion using difficult words and all the, you know, all the, ma all, all the geniuses in, in, in functional medicine. I like to very uh, simplify things. First of all, fasting has been around for thousands of years and all the spiritual giants in the world have incorporated it into their spiritual paths. So, and, and that's how the Christians fast for Lent, the Jews fast for Yom Kippur, the, 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 the Muslims fast for Ramadan, and the, and the, and the Buddhists fast all the time for whatever reason, right? Um, so, so why would they incorporate these things if they were not beneficial in some way? And maybe the, maybe the benefits that they're thinking about are more in the spiritual realm, right? But even simpler than that, if you look at nature, you see that animals in the wild that are living in the way that nature designed them to live, eating in the way that nature designed them to eat, and when nature designed them to eat, they don't have an, if refrigerators and supermarkets where they can have access to munching all day long. They have to go and look for their food and, and catch it and, and, and find it and eat it. And, they, and nature imposed periods of fasting. The more complex the, the, the diet of the animal, the more the longer the periods of fasting are. For example, animals that are meat eaters eat 
less often than animals that are plant eaters. So, so you can see in nature that intermittent fasting is just part of life. And we are probably designed to live that way too. And all the new discoveries and all the shock, you know, the protective proteins and all the things that, you know, that all these geniuses are talking about as, as proof, you know, are just the result of us going into a, a, a mode of functioning that is more according to the original instructions of, of, of this instrument that we're giving that when you live according to nature, things work better. And according to nature, we should be intermittent fasting. Mm, yeah, of course, all natural systems upon any degree of inspection have periods of growth balanced with periods of repair and restoration, right? There's a bounteous harvest and then the stalks and the leaves fall to the ground and decay and fungi, you know, pulls their nutrients and builds up soil. And then, you know, nature promises a spring with every winter, right? And we can see that in our own physiology, you know, there's wakefulness, which is a time of growth and activity. And then there's sleep, which is a time of repair and restoration. And, you know, we clear out our glymphatic system kicks into gear. <laughs> We're intermittently sleeping which is a way of intermittently right. fast from being awake. That's and right. we, should be and we should be intermittently resting our, our intestines and not, I think that breakfast, lunch, and dinner is killing humanity. Yeah, well, it's a construct. And uh, it's funny, I, you know, I know you talk about this in your book, but I had um, a dinner, quote unquote, last night with uh, two uh, young women who were, spent the year in Germany. And they said, yeah, well, you know, we don't really eat dinner over there. We just kind of had toast and tea. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they were like, oh, and we were having these bigger lunches. And I was like, well, um, it sounds uh, like the families that you were living with were much more in tune with a lot of our natural rhythms um, because, you know, our bodies are more able to uh, metabolize protein earlier in the day, et cetera. And we want to, I mean, as part of my practice, I try to um, put a three hour window between the last bite I put in my mouth and the time I go to sleep. So when I actually enter sleep, I have finished um, digesting and all of the energy that you say that goes into digesting and my body can begin to then uh, reallocate energy towards, you know, restoration and, and repair. So it, it seems so obvious. <laughs> so we've covered, um, functional medicine and Ayurveda and intermittent fasting, intermittent as, fasting. as the three pillars. And when you combine all of them, the, the results are better than when each one is used individually. That's my experience. Beautiful. Well, I am a big fan and I find that the clean seven is such an accessible way for people to disrupt very deeply ingrained habits in a way that is honestly not Machiavellian. <laughs> you can do it and you can see and feel the results.
And Jeff, one of the things that I want to do is I want to send you, I, I, because of what I realized also is that people don't have the time many times to go to the supermarket and create their own recipes and do their shakes and do their things. So I created a company that, that created a kit that has everything that you need, all the shakes, all the supplements, all the teas, right? I want to send you one of those so that you can try it and do it yourself because it's an incredible tool that people have to, to actually accomplish a program like this, that even though it's only one week, for a lot of people it's difficult, you know, to, to, to prepare their own things, right? So, so I'm going to ask uh, Nicole to send you one and for you to try, and then another time hey. we'll talk about your, your experience with that. Brilliant. Well, I can't wait uh, to continue our conversation. and We can talk about sweating and colonics and enemas and counter bathing which hot i do and every day hot and, and cold and, and and we can talk about plant medicines and combo and and uh, so many other things i'm i'm actually now in the middle of creating a tv show which is kind of like imagine instead mm. of anthony bourdain running around showing you different countries and different foods i will be running around showing you different medicines and different medicine medicine men and women you know and um and we're you know we're, we're close to to having a deal with a with a streamer so i'm i'm looking forward to that and uh, maybe i'll send you the, our pilot for you to take a look the show is called yes. medicine man i love it well that is a project whose time has come 100 percent uh yeah Dr. Alejandro Junger, thank you so much for uh, devoting so much of your precious time today and just for all your work. Um, you are a portrait of curiosity. Um, you keep asking the questions why and you keep going deeper and, um, and that's on full display. So uh, thank you for, for your spirit thank and you. your effort. Thank you for having me. Thank you for everything, Jeff. I, I look forward to meeting you in person soon. Okay. Mwah. Ciao. Adeus, meu amigo. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Dr. Alejandro Junger. Check out his latest book, Clean 7, to discover his medically proven seven-day answer to toxic overload. Now, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you're a regular listener, you have a sense for how much effort we put into this show's creation, and we really do our best to keep ads to a minimum. So if you're looking for a way to support our efforts, the best way to do that is to subscribe to Commune. You'll access more than 100 courses featuring the world's top authors and thought leaders. You can check it out for free for 14 days at onecommune.com slash trial. Of course, feel free to reach out to me directly at any time with comments, suggestions, constructive criticism at jeffk at onecommune.com. Lastly, I'd love to thank the folks that make this show possible week over week, including my brother from another mother, Jacob Laub, Megan Stone, Violet Augustine, Ruby Foster, Emma Fred, Silvana Alcala, and Ryan Tillotson. That's all from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasnow. And I am here for you.
Hey, it's Jeff. And when it comes to your health and longevity, you hold nothing back. You understand what it means to push harder and reach farther and go that extra mile. Well, this relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance for the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist right there in your pocket. If you're interested in this innovative service, I've got great news for Commune listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash Dr. G. That's insidetracker.com forward slash D R G.